husband, Tim, at the graduation services. One challenge for me was that I went through the ceremony, but I had one more class left. So that was kind of, you know, trudging through that very last class. So that was one of my highs. But one of the lows, I think, for all of us was that our beloved friend and former pastor here, Dean Pogue, passed away in March from cancer. But the happy thing is he is in the church triumphant. Perseverance is part of the Christian life. And we've had a lot of opportunities in these last few years, haven't we, to demonstrate that. So what about 2022? What are your hopes? What are your dreams as we face that year, this year? I can predict right now that there will be some ups and downs for all of us. There's going to be some challenging times. But the good news is that God is with us during those ups and those downs. And the good news also is that God has given us guidance in his word about how to maintain equilibrium as we journey through this world. So I want to start today with a very short but powerful psalm that gives us really good guidance for this first part of the year. Psalm 1. As I read it, please read silently the, the slides. And this is the New International Version. Blessed is the one who does not walk in, the step, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and minds today as we worship together. Holy Spirit, guide my words. Jesus, walk beside us now and always. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What does it mean to have a fruitful life? And what do we need to do to get there? Last week, I listened to your service online. And Pastor Harry preached about the madman Herod and the Magi. And at the end of the sermon, you might remember that he made that comparison for us, that we can either be like the Magi, walking in faith and obedience to God, or like Herod, taking things into our own uh, control and relying on our flesh alone, making bad decisions, our, our fallen human nature. Psalm 1 can help us live more like the Magi and less like Herod. You see, the Bible has this consistent theme of God reaching out to us, God wanting to have a relationship with us, and he is loyal and steadfast and loving, even though we go up and down in our feelings and emotions. We find life, choice, action, and consequences right here in this very short psalm. 
and we will be able to relate it to our daily lives. Well, let's just step back and ask, why should we study the Psalms anyway? There's at least three reasons. First one is pretty basic. It's part of our inspired sacred text from God. It's one of the 66 books in our canon that were assembled by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Second, we see that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he quoted the Psalms. And also in Luke 24, 44, he tells his disciples in a post-resurrection appearance, he said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Everything about Jesus, written about him, is found in the Moses, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So to study the Psalms, we learn more about Jesus. We can find Jesus in the Psalms. Finally, to study the Psalms is to strengthen our spiritual life. Throughout the 150 Psalms, they give us guidance for prayer, for talking to God, for how we need to trust him, for being angry at God, for feeling frustration, for happiness. How do we express that? For despair, for fear. The psalm shows a full spectrum of emotions that we can embrace. That's why they're important. Well, back to Psalm 1. Where does it fit in the overall Psalter of the 150 psalms? Well, first of all, it's obvious it's the very first one. And most scholars call it the introduction to the Psalms, the preface, the overall place to start for the Psalms. It's a wisdom psalm. We have psalms of thanksgiving. We have psalms of lament. This psalm is a wisdom psalm, which means it tells us how to live our life. It tells us about ethics, lifestyle, moral judgment. And it's a preparatory psalm for the rest of the Psalms. This is the way we should be living our lives so that we can most be open to the teaching of the rest of the Psalms. Sometimes it's called the two-way Psalm because we talk about, it talks about the righteous person, it talks about the wicked person. And this idea of comparison is central to the Bible. Jesus talked about the person who built their house on the rock and the person who built their house on the sand. He talked about the sheep and the goats. And images are important also in the Psalms as they are in the Bible. Think about Jesus as the good shepherd and all the shepherds that are throughout the Bible. Or the idea that God is a rock. Well, God isn't physically a rock, but the rock to us symbolizes something that is strong and, and stays put. So the primary image in Psalm 1 is of a healthy, flourishing tree full of fruit by a water source. And a secondary image that is less important is a chaff just blowing away in the wind. So when we come to Psalm 1, we have to ask these questions. What does it mean to have a fruitful life? How do we get there? What are the steps? How do we maintain that? And what do we need to avoid? Psalm 1 is about making choices. And this is a good time of year to be thinking about making choices. It said, blessed or happy are those who make good choices. And it starts with three negatives. So let's look at the first verse again in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, 
than the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, this concept of happy or blessed is a sense of well-being, of rightness in your life. It doesn't mean that everything's going right in your life. It's just that you have that sense of wellness in your life. Now, notice the categories of people, and this is instructive for us, the wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. Who do they represent? Well, they represent a gradual progression into evil. The wicked in the Bible are somebody like who has um, a first-level offense, like a misdemeanor. They might be convicted in court. They might have a public shame, but it is a minor offense. The sinner is also wicked, but they are someone who, and sometimes the terms are used interchangeably, but this is not an isolated or a one-time offense. This is somebody who is li- their life is dominated by an inclination to sin. And then the scoffers or mockers go even further. They are the ones that are true career criminals. They disdain, they even make fun of right living. And they undermine those who want to live right. They're unwilling to accept instruction. And all these people, notice, they're in community with people like them. So there's a gradual descent into evil. The first person, they're seeking advice, the wicked, they're walking, and then they commit to a path, the sinners, they stand, and then they sit, which suggests a deeper, more permanent commitment, and even a recruiting effort on behalf of the scoffers. So in contrast, those who are blessed with well-being, their community, their association, their life direction, their life choices does not come from sinners, wicked or scoffers. So where does it come from? Well, the psalm goes on in verse 2 to say, but those who are righteous delight in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on it day and night. The point is, what we think about shapes our life, and who we spend time with shapes our lives. So what does God want you to be thinking about And who does he want you to be spending time with in 2022? And what does this mean, the law of the Lord? Are we talking about the Ten Commandments or something? How can we meditate on it day and night? Well, the law of the Lord, the Hebrew word that's used here, means really it's most faithfully translated as instructions, directions, teaching, guidelines, which are throughout Scripture. It's not about one particular command. So how do we meditate day and night? Well, some people interpret this extreme in an extreme fashion. For example, the Essenes who lived in uh, the Dead Sea area from 160 B.C. to A.D. 70. They were alive at the time of Christ. Christ knew about them. They were the ones that produced the Dead Sea Scrolls and hid them away, and they were found in the 1950s. Well, they took this day and night idea seriously. And in their community, they had a rotation of interpreters who studied and expounded the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, day and night. So they would have like night shifts, reading and studying the Torah while other people were sleeping. But probably what the psalmist really had in mind was something more reasonable, like let's just incorporate scripture and thinking about God more frequently in our lives, as often as we possibly can. It's like in Deuteronomy where parents are encouraged to talk to their children when they're standing, when they're sitting, when they're lying in bed, talk about God, talk about scriptures. So the image here, 
that the psalmist had in mind was a total experience. Meditating on the law for us would be reading scriptures quietly and thoughtfully, asking questions of scripture, memorizing scripture. This is a great psalm to memorize. It's not very long, and it's a big confidence builder, only six verses. You can slowly write scripture, journal, draw pictures, read different translations of the Bible to compare it. And sometimes you want to meditate in community. What does that mean? Well, that means uh, joining up a small group or, or being in a Sunday school class or a Bible study where ideas are exchanged and you have those aha moments like, I never thought about it that way or I wonder if that what God really meant or, well, that comment really applies to my life. So the fact that meditation on God's law is mentioned in this very first psalm of the Bible is a suggestion by the editors who made it first that the psalms are a great time, a great part of the Bible to spend time with. We know those uh, that don't, uh, that we know about what the people that follow God don't do. We know what they like to do as a habit and what is the result. Verse 3. That person, the righteous people, are planted, are like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So the trees have a sufficient water supply and they bear the right kind of fruit in the right season and their leaves do not wither. They're resilient. These trees provide shade and food for people and animals. They remain fruitful in difficult times because they have deep roots and they are tied to a water source. There's quiet, strong growth going on in the trees. Do we have quiet, strong growth going on in our lives that's strengthening our relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we delight in hearing the instructions of the Lord and talking and thinking about how it applies to our lives? What are our streams of water that nurture us spiritually? Well, here's the icing on the cake, you may think, because the last verse, the last line says, whatever they do prospers. In other translations, it says, in all that they do, they prosper. Is this all of a sudden an opportunity for the health and wealth gospel? Sorry to disappoint you, but the translation of the word prosper has led to some confusion. It may be the best English word, but it doesn't really mean, uh, it means a promise of a reward, but not even necessarily a material reward. A better translation of the word is thrives, especially thriving spiritually. Like the fruitful tree, the image, the person is connected to God and is able to grow and bear those fruits of the spirit through the challenges of life. That is good news for us. So in contrast, what are the wicked like? In verse 4, it says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Now we know from verse 1 that they hang around with people like them, the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. And the result is, this tells us the result, they become inconsequential and expendable like chaff. Now I'm not a farmer, but having researched it, when a farmer threshes grain and winnows it, that's when they... Uh, beat the grain to get the loosen the husk then they scoop it up and throw it up in the air for the wind to blow away the lightweight and useless husk 
And that is what the wicked are compared to, lightweight and useless things. And this is what happens to them. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The wicked, like Herod, have made their choices. They're not interested in following God. They want to do things their own way. They separate from God. This is their choice. This is not God's choice for them. And I do want to note that the word destruction, it says, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. That, that word does not mean eternal damnation. There is always hope for the wicked, the scoffer, the sinner, right up to the very end. It might lead to that, but we don't know. God is always reaching out to us. So as we conclude, what does this mean for us today? First, if you want to avoid the fruitless way, if you want to avoid being inconsequential, then watch who you walk with, where you walk, who your friends are, in large and small ways. Do an inventory. Make some adjustments. It's the first part of the year. Diplomatically withdraw from some relationships that are not helpful in your life and maybe lean into some other ones. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. He wants us to walk our talk. Which are you more like in every area of your life? Are you more like a fruitful tree with well-watered stability or the dry, dusty, wind-blown impermanence of useless chaff? The tree in this psalm should be a picture of our lives as Christians. We should be rooted, productive, flexible, quietly growing, marked by beauty and fruitfulness, attracting others, animals, people, hospitality, just like a tree does. Are you living a fruitful and satisfying life characterized by immersion in God's word and participating with others in God's community? What adjustments do you need to make now and in 2020, 2022? What one thing will you do to meditate more frequently on God's word and bear more fruit? And what one thing perhaps should you subtract from your life to have more room so that you can bear this fruit? Some of us are so busy that we don't have time to implement any of these things in our lives. As we look to 2022, let us rise to the challenge of Psalm 1 and walk in the way of righteousness with great intention. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, the words of Psalm 1 challenge all of us. Holy Spirit, help us to think about what this means in our lives and act as you lead us now and throughout 2022. Jesus, you said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. May it be so in our lives. Amen.